Welcome to Storehouse Dallas. I want us to turn to God's word, um, to the book of Luke chapter 2. I want us to turn to the book of Luke chapter 2 and verse 52. The book of Luke chapter 2 and verse 52. And the Bible says, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. May the Lord bless the reading of his word this morning. Amen. In Africa, we always say amen. <laughs> well, this is a different congregation altogether. Praise the Lord. I'm used to people talking back to. <laughs> Praise the Lord. This morning, I want to talk to you about growing in Christ's likeness. Growing in Christ's likeness. The influence and the impact of the church that Jesus said he was going to, to build depends on the growth levels of its members. I believe that one of the reasons why Jesus manifested himself as man was to come and provide a model of an ideal person. The church of Jesus Christ is not just here for the sake of it. We are here to represent the kingdom of God. The church must be seen. Not only seen, must be felt by the society around it. The Christian life is a supernatural life. It is a life in the spirit. And the joy of this life is seen in its experience. The Christian life is an experience. It is an experience. It is a daily experience. It's something that you experience all the time. We don't just stand here to preach so that people feel good. We stand here to preach so that we can impart the anointing of the Lord. And the Bible says the anointing destroys the yoke. We preach the word of God so that we can impart the knowledge of God. So we can impart the life that Jesus came to give to us. The Bible tells us how Jesus began to develop his life before he began to do mighty and glorious things. The Bible tells us how Jesus grew. The Bible says and Jesus began to grow. He grew in wisdom, he grew in stature, he also grew in favor 
with God and also with man. If we are to aspire to greater things, if we are to be seen to be doing greater things for God, we must be growing in the dimensions that Jesus grew. You know, we must be seen to be growing and we must, and growing, we must. We cannot be worshiping, we cannot afford to be worshiping the way we used to worship 20 years ago. We cannot afford to be speaking the way we used to speak 20 years ago. You have been in the Lord for 20 years ago, I mean for 20 years. You must be seen to be growing. Why? Because our lives are a witness. Our lives are a witness to the fact that Jesus is alive. And Jesus is alive. We are a witness in the manner that we present ourselves. The way we talk, the way we walk, the way we do things. We are a witness. The Christian life is a real deal. It is a real thing that people can see in us and also feel and be impacted by it by way of our lives. Last year I was preaching in a church in Kenya. And as I was preaching, a lady was walking by the road. And she felt drawn to the church. She felt she must come into this church. And I was preaching. As she entered the door, the power of God knocked her down. She was HIV positive. And the Lord healed her straight away. How do we know that the Lord healed her? She went to the hospital. And she took the test. And she was proved to be negative. She went again and she was proved negative. That's how the church, how, that's how Jesus designed the church to function. A couple of years ago, I went to minister in our neighboring country called Mozambique. And my host picked me from the airport. And as we entered his house, as we were exchanging greetings, there were three ladies in the kitchen. And the power of God knocked them down in the kitchen. We were just exchanging greetings. One of them was HIV positive. She got healed there and then. The Christian life, dear friends, is a practical life. It's a life, it is a life that we can describe by word. And also our lives can present as a real thing. The Bible tells us that Jesus began to grow. He began to grow in wisdom. Now, one of the definitions of wisdom is that wisdom is the knowledge, is the ability to deal with people. It is the ability to handle the things of God. The things of God are not cheap. 
The things of God are not ordinary. The things of God are excellent. Actually, the word excellent belongs to God. The things of God have a weight. Paul says to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, he says, let a man consider us as ministers and the stewards of God's mysteries. We carry the mysteries of God. And the Bible tells us that as Jesus grew in wisdom, we see how his life unfolded, how he dealt with people. In the book of John, chapter 4, Jesus comes to a town, little town by the name of Sychar, in John chapter 4. And there he ran into a woman who was, uh, had come to the well to fetch some water. And Jesus engaged her in a conversation. And as the conversation went on, we can, you, you can see through the, the narrative that Jesus applied a lot of wisdom into it. And as we were chatting, you know, Jesus was chatting, the woman brought up the issue of worship. And he says, our father Jacob, you know, told us, you know, I mean, uh, left us the culture, the tradition of worshiping God in the mountains. But you, God, say we must, I mean, you Jews, say that we must worship God. Jerusalem. And Jesus turns to the woman and says, you know what, lady? I wish you knew the person you are talking to. He says, you know what? The time is coming, and that time is now. When the true worshippers of God, now mark the words, when the true worshippers of God are neither going to worship him in the mountains or in Jerusalem, so this woman was bringing up, trying to bring up cultural issues. Do you know, you cannot worship God with your culture. Because your culture is repulsive in the sight of God. You cannot worship God with your traditions. Your traditions are repulsive to other people. This is why if you find people who delight, you say, oh, this is a church for this, this is a church for that. You can't worship God that way. The Bible says the true worshipers of God, those who love God, those who have opened their hearts to God, they are going to worship him in truth and in the spirit. Amen. We see that in the book of Acts. The church at Antioch was, serves as a very good example of the church. The church as, at Antioch was a multicultural church. And it stood out to be a church that really Jesus loved. We see by the manifestation of the giftings and what God began and was doing in that church. So Jesus says, dear lady, you cannot worship God in using your culture. You cannot worship God in truth and in the spirit. And as the conversation went on, progressed, um, it ended up in a manner that Jesus ended up impressing on this woman. And the Bible says, this woman, we see Jesus here using the word of knowledge to, to bring the conversation in the way 
of the Lord. And Jesus used wisdom to bring this woman to salvation. And the Bible says this woman was so touched, she ran into the city and began to scream, come and see, come and see, come and see a man that has ever told me things I've never ever heard. When Jesus comes in your life, spiritual growth begins to take place there and then. This woman ran into the city, and history tells us that when this woman ran into that city, all the men came to the saving knowledge of Christ. And that changed the whole history of that city. When you read in the book of Genesis chapter 34, in Genesis chapter 34, we read the history of the town of Sychar. The Bible there tells us how Jacob came with his family to that town and he got a place and uh, began to settle there and he had a very beautiful girl, daughter by the name of Dinah. The Bible says one of the sons of the, uh, of the, the key person in that town uh, admired or loved Dinah. And so he ended up raping the girl. And when the news came to, 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 the, to the knowledge of her brothers, her brothers were so upset, and they vowed to seek revenge. And the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 34 that uh, when Jacob's sons came uh, home from their normal uh, business, daily business, when they came back home, and they were told the story, they decided or they plotted to revenge. And so Shechem, who did that, went and you know, uh, discussed the matter with the, with, with, the, with the relatives, and they pretended like nothing wrong ever happened. And so they came and pretended like they wanted to settle the matter in a normal way. And so they came and said, oh, we want, uh, um, to, we are seeking the hand in marriage with your daughter. And so the children of Jacob uh, pretended like all was well. And so they decided to enter in a deal. They said, you know what? Um, going by our culture, we cannot allow someone who is uncircumcised to marry our sister. And so he said, if you truly want to marry our sister, please, we are requesting that all the men in the town should be circumcised. And so they tricked them, and they, you know, since the, 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 the gentleman was so desperate to marry the girl, they agreed to the deal. And so all the men were circumcised. And during that time, Jacob's sons took up their swords, went in, and slaughtered all the men. And history, Bible history tells us or shows us that from that time, that city was never the same. A curse came on that city. The men were no longer fruitful. The men became drunkards. They became um, adulterers. I mean, they were just good for nothing. And history shows us that if you traveled um, to some other parts of the world and you introduce yourself as coming from Shechem, people never considered you for anything good. 
And that went on for years. This city never recovered from that. I mean, the city really was so impoverished and the people were good. The men were good for nothing. Until hundreds of years later, Jesus revisits the city of Sychar. And he runs into this woman, deals with this woman. We see that and uh, touches the life of this woman. Through the woman or the woman by the name of Dinah, the curse came on this city. And through the woman again, by this woman by the well, revival and prosperity came to the city. History shows us that you can read it for yourself, that when this woman ran into the city and began to preach, the men came to the saving knowledge of Jesus. And the whole spectrum of the city began to change. People become, became, the men became productive once again. The men, the drunkards, were delivered from their drunkenness. Those who were involved in other wrong activities were delivered from that. We see that through wisdom, Jesus brought deliverance and blessings to the city. The Bible says wisdom is so powerful. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7, the Bible says wisdom is the principal thing. If there is anything that you need to seek, it is wisdom. If you are to spend all that you have, the Bible says spend it on wisdom. The Bible says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Psalms 111 and verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that they do for his commandments. The Bible says in James, if you lack wisdom, ask God for it. When Solomon came to the throne, the first thing that he asked for or he sought was wisdom. He sought wisdom. Solomon became such a great person because he had the wisdom of God. The Bible tells us how Jesus grew in wisdom. If we are to aspire to greater things, if we are to do the things that Jesus, we are to be seen to be doing the things that Jesus did, we need to be growing the way Jesus grew. Jesus grew in wisdom. We are, we are living in the age right now when our societies desperately need wisdom. Regardless of where you are at, people need to be guided by wisdom. They need to be built by wisdom. Wisdom is so powerful. We see how Solomon became so powerful because of wisdom. And by wisdom, Jesus brought revival. He brought restoration to a city that had been beaten down by the evil which was committed by one person hundreds of years back. Wisdom can help us reach out and do things that others have had failed to do. Paul talks about how he used wisdom 
to reach out. Paul says to the Galatians, he says, to certain categories of people, he went to them secretly and preached to them or reached out to them with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wisdom can release an amazing amount of anointing that can do wonders. Jesus grew in wisdom and wisdom can help us to deliver people from certain things that bring them down or that weigh them down. Jesus, also the Bible tells us that he grew in stature. Do you know certain things require a certain stature? Stature is what God gives you. Status is what men give you. If I was walking on the street the way I look, oh, everyone would call me, oh, sir, how are you, sir? Because I'm dressing in a nice suit. The suit can give you a status. But stature comes from God. Stature is as a result of what is going on within you. It is as a result of what the word of God, the spirit of God is building within you. Now, we don't read the Bible for nothing. We don't have a quiet time in the morning for nothing. When we have time for personal Bible study, we are building stature. When we, we come to church like this, the Bible says we should never neglect the fellowship of other saints. Because when we come together like this, just when I sat there, someone was whispering to me a word of prophecy. So that's how we build one another. The Bible says this one has a word of faith. This one has a word of knowledge. That one has a word of prophecy. This one has that word. When we come together in this manner, there's no telling what God does. Even when no one speaks a word to you, just the fact that you have rubbed shoulders with a child of God, it speaks volume. There are certain things that require stature. For God to entrust you with certain things, you need a stature. You need a certain level of growth within you for you to do greater things. And we must be seen to be doing greater things. We cannot be seen to be doing the same things today. The same things we used to do 20 years ago. No, 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 no. Even if we are seen to be doing the same things, we must do them. In a different manner. We need stature. Jesus had stature. The Bible says, just when he entered a certain city, the demons began to cry out. So what have you come to do? Have you come to judge us? We read in the book of Acts how the disciples, the people began to cry and say, these people have changed the world, have come our way. The church was a world changer. They had stature. The church had stature. A few years ago, I went to preach in Mozambique. And in the guest room where I was staying, um, I left a first cloth, you know, the first cloth the one you use for washing, I left it hanging uh, in the room. And six months later, the bishop of that denomination whose church I went to minister to came to stay in the same room. And when he touched the cross that I left, the power of God knocked him down. 
And he was down. This is a true story I'm telling you. You can double check it. He was down for hours. And when he came back, he began to perform miracles. He began to perform miracles. He began to heal the sick. He began to prophesy. The Bible tells us how that Paul sent handkerchiefs and people of demons were being set free. I told you before, last time I was there, I told you the story how I went, I was in Kenya and uh, I was speaking in the conference for one week and there was a lady who was attending the meetings and she was so touched by the Lord. Her husband was, an, was a manager for a five-star hotel. And she told the husband what was going on in the meetings. The husband was not coming to church. So the husband invited us to go and, you know, uh, have breakfast and even stay in his hotel, though we didn't have time to do that. And when we went for breakfast on Monday after the meetings in the morning, I asked him if he could show me where the restroom was. And as we were walking in the corridor with him, the power of God began to knock down the people in the rooms. And the chefs in the kitchen. The power of God began to knock them down. And the fear of God came into this hotel. Five-star hotel. Not a small hotel, big hotel. The fear of God came in this hotel. And they were like, who is this man? And we were able to lead this man to Christ. And became born again. You need a stature for greater things. You need to put yourself in a position where God can trust you with certain things. You cannot be wish-washy and hope that God is going to use you. We need to build that stature by loving the Lord. And loving the Lord is not saying, I love God. You do certain things to demonstrate that you love God. You read the word of God with passion. You pray with passion. You come to church with passion. You do things like everything depended on you for them to happen. Jesus said he was going to build his church. And the gates of hell was not going to prevail against it. I sense the presence of the Lord in this house. The Lord wants to raise somebody in this house. The Lord wants to use somebody in this. Believe me, I can tell you stories after stories, some of them so unbelievable. In 2014, I'm flying to Johannesburg. I'm sorry, to Mozambique. I had a five-hour layover in the airport. Johannesburg Airport is a big, huge airport in South Africa, Johannesburg. And as I was walking around, you know, to while away the time I was moving from one booth to the other. So I went to this shopping booth, and the lady says, excuse me, sir, who are you? I said, well, I'm a pastor. She said, why do you need board guards? I said, what are you talking about? She says, why do you need board guards? I realized that this lady was seeing angels. This lady saw, I had four board guards, two white men and two black men. <laughs> and then I quickly said, oh, I'm not a small pastor, I'm a big pastor. Like, I'm like Bishop Desmond Tutu in South Africa. There's a Bishop Desmond Tutu is a well-known uh, bishop. I said, I'm like him. I'm like him. That's why I need board guards. And this woman was so touched. 
And as I was leaving, so she says, so you buy them tickets in order to travel with you? I said, yes, mom, I do that. <laughs> I, I, I do that. And as I was walking away, she kept on peeping where I was going. The spiritual life is so real. God is here right now. The Lord is here right now. Right now is here. When we talk of angels, it's so real. So real. We need believers to begin to believe that God, the God that they are confessing, is so real. Do you know the downside of not growing is that you begin to make up things in order to keep up with appearances. This is why you hear all these funny stories among charismatics. Talking about God, talking to them about certain things, and then those things don't happen, and the, the church has become a laughing stock before non-believers. In the sight of non-believers, we become a laughing stock. Why? Because if you are not growing, you become a disaster to yourself. You begin to make up things. You begin to manufacture things. You begin to fake things. You don't need to fake for God. God is so real. I can tell you stories after stories. I've prayed for people seemingly that have not been healed. They go home, they're healed. The Lord is able to do whatever he wants to do for you. Jesus grew in favor with God and also with man. You know, if Jesus never had favor with men, he would have been killed just in the very first week of his ministry. The, 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 the church leadership and whatever never liked Jesus. They would have laid their hands on him much earlier, but they were scared of the people. They were afraid of the people. Some of us from other countries, it's tough. It's tough. It's tough. I mean, we, to preach, I mean, you cannot certain, mention certain names. But when you are favor with God, God always delivers you. God always fights for you. Today I've come to challenge you to arise and be the kind of person that God wants you to be. I, I really want to believe that we are in the last days. It is time for the real thing to be seen, to be happening. The real thing. I, I'm telling you, Jesus is alive. I have people who have been to our country. Jonathan has been there. Our prophetess Mary Lane has been there tons of times. Christianity is real. There were times I was even scared to walk in the street. I'm walking in the street, I say hello to people, and the power of God begins to knock people down. We need to grow in wisdom, in stature, the stature of Jesus. The Bible says, because Jesus had stature, when he stood to pray, heaven opened up. You don't need to be going around everyone. You find, oh, pray for me. Oh, please pray for me. You don't need to be doing that. When you have stature, you know when to pray. 
When you have stature, you have the words to use. When you have stature, you know how to act. Jesus grew in wisdom. The church needs wisdom. In dealing with certain things, in handling the word of God, in dealing with spiritual things, we have become a disaster to ourselves because we are not growing. And because we are not growing, we are not seeing the power of God. We are not seeing things happening. And because we want to, to see things happening, we make them up. That can't wait, work for you. You destroy yourself and you mess yourself up. I want to thank you for listening to me today. I pray today that the anointing of the Lord will rest upon you right now. You may not feel it, but believe that I'm a man of God. May the anointing of the Lord rest upon you to inspire you to desire the things that are going to build you up and make you what God would have you to become. I pray for you today that wherever you're going, may the Lord show himself strong. In the name of Jesus, like the woman in the town of Sychar, I don't know how long, for how long, the situation has been lingering in your life. Today, I take authority in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Jesus, who is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. I ask the Lord Jesus to walk into your history and begin to undo all the bad things that hinder you from moving forward. All the things that weigh you down, they tie you down, they prevent you from desiring the things. The apostle Paul says, the things that I desire to do, I find them not doing them. Today, you are going to have that desire. I said today, you are going to have that desire. You are going to desire to do the good things and you are going to have the ability and the strength to do them. And you are going to have the speed, the momentum to do them in the name of Jesus. I say in the name of Jesus. I have come to change the situation in someone's life, in someone's home. In the name of Jesus, like the woman in the town of Saika, may you go excited Shouting, come and see the man. Come and see the man. His name is Jesus. And the Bible says the people came running. And there was a turnaround in that city. I decree. I say I decree. A turnaround in your situation. Hallelujah in the name of Jesus. There may be curse of sickness and disease. Like the psalmist declared in Psalms 118 and verse 17, he says, I am not going to die, but I'm going to live and declare what the Lord has done for me. 
Hallelujah, I release the anointing upon your life. That that sickness and disease is not going to turn you down. It's not going to take you down. Hallelujah, that in the name of Jesus, that situation is not going to knock you down. I say it's not going to knock you down. In the name of Jesus. Woo. The Bible tells us in the book of Numbers. Hallelujah, chapter 6. How the Lord says, this is how you bless my people. In verse 27, it says, when you are blessed them, my name, I'll put my name on their foreheads. By way of this declaration and administration of the word of the Lord, may the name of the Lord be written on your forehead. I said the name of the Lord be written on your forehead in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. As you go home, may you carry the stature of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. As you greet your husband at home or your children or your neighbors, may the power of God manifest on them. In the name of Jesus Christ. The Lord that I'm talking about is a living God. He's a living God. Some years back I went to preach in a conference for five days. And one night we were chatting with the host. And I was telling him how the Holy Spirit works. And as I was talking to him, the power of God, he had three daughters. And they were sleeping together in one room. The power of God knocked, attached the, first, the, the eldest daughter. And he began to scream, to, to, to speak in tongues. He came running and fell on the carpet in the living room. His wife had a back problem for 13 years. I didn't know that. She began to scream in the bedroom. And the Lord healed her right, right there and then. May you carry that anointing where you are going. If you have never seen a miracle, I say, may you see that miracle this week. I say, may you go and see that miracle this week. Some years back, I was preaching in Kansas City, Missouri. I was speaking in Kansas. I, I was not speaking, by the way, in Kansas City, Missouri, Assemblies of God, big church. And um, uh, my host, who was uh, the missions pastor, spoke to the senior pastor if I could speak in the church. And he said, oh, no, the, the, the schedule is full. So it was on a New Year's Day, and we are eating uh, chicken wings. That was a, a couch of eating chicken wings in Kansas City in Missouri, and we're eating chicken wings in the basement of the uh, mission's pastor. And on the table where I sat, the people were asking me questions about the Holy Spirit. And as I was explaining to them how the Holy Spirit works, I saw the ladies across the table began to, to shed tears. They began to cry. And in no time, kids of like five, seven years began to speak in tongues, and they began to prophesy. True story in Kansas City, Missouri, here in the U.S., began to prophesy keys five years, seven years. And the whole thing was, the whole place was upside down. When the senior pastor heard, he says, can you come and speak this Sunday? Glory be to God. May you carry that anointing with you. Some of you might not have experienced that. May you experience that this week. I say, may you experience that this week. If you see something unusual happening in your life, it's the, the anointing that I've released on your life. 
May the Lord use you. May you be excited once again. May you once again, you are walking and shouting and say, Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Today, before I sit down, you are here. You have never invited the Lord Jesus Christ in your life as your Lord and Savior. Life is so real. Doesn't matter whether you're from Africa, Asia, or whatever. We are all, someday we shall give account to the Lord. And the Bible says the wages of sin, wages. Remember the Bible says whatsoever you do, you shall reap. Whatsoever you do. And the Bible says do not deceive yourself. Do not deceive yourself. You know, you can only deceive yourself. Life is so real. Jesus is coming again. It doesn't matter whether you believe in God or not. You know what the Bible says? A day is coming when every knee shall bow down. Every knee shall bow down. And every tongue shall confess. Can you imagine? Every knee shall bow down. If you have never bowed down, in Africa we bow down before the elders. You don't talk. In Africa, you don't talk to elders standing up. You bow down. Women bow down. They, they kneel down there I'm doing. Talking to my wife talks. In Africa, she kneels down. <laughs> when talking to me. But here in America, she stands up. She talks to me like that. <laughs> so every knee is going to bow down. And every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. And that decision can only be made now. Please, now. Before it's too late. No one has an assurance of tomorrow. Years back, one of my deacons in the church was witnessing to a young man who was a mechanic and says, young man, you need to come to Jesus and come to church on Sunday. And the young man would, would answer back and say, you know what, sir? On Sunday, that's when I make money. That's when I, I have time to, to work on the cars. Guess what? One Sunday, he was under the car. The, the gearbox fell down on him and nailed him down to the ground. And that was the end of it. It's a sad story to tell, but it's important that we mention so that we can bring the point home. No one has an assurance of tomorrow. We're in control of nothing except God. My wife is a midwife. She was just saying the other day to say, you know what? As a mother, you only have control over your child when they're in your stomach, with your womb. You can carry them wherever you want. You can do whatever. They eat what you eat. But once they are born, they have their own way. They have their choices. So there are certain things we can control, certain things we cannot. So please, if you have never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, you can see Pastor Matthew or the staff here, and they should be able to help you in that way. Praise the Lord.